Here we are for another episode of the Lodges podcast. This is episode 12. Phil Wildman, the founder of GG Insurance Services, joins us all the way from London. So Phil is our first international guest. So that was exciting to have happen on the podcast. GG Insurance Services covers gaming and esports clients and serves in that space. So he was an excellent guest to have on, especially because you do not hear too many people talking about insurance within gaming and esports right now. He comes from a deep background in insurance and has grown up always having a gaming passion and so he has translated that now into his professional job. I think Phil did an awesome job in this episode in giving examples and providing context so that it's not just a boring conversation surrounding insurance. I think that it's insightful. I think he provides great examples and does a good job of keeping us all engaged. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and you're about to listen to the Lodges podcast. Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Lodges podcast. I am your host Juan Rodriguez, the founder of Lodges Financial, a business management firm for video game streamers and esport athletes. We have another amazing guest with us today. We actually have our first international guest joining us on the podcast. We will introduce him in just a minute. The only housekeeping I have before is that this is intended to be an interactive podcast. So thank you to all of our current listeners that are checking in, listening, uh, leaving reviews and, and being interactive. If you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts with any question or comment for either the guest or myself, I will read that on the next episode and make that question to our guests so that we have that uh interactive aspect to the podcast. So please go do that if you're enjoying these so far. So today with us, we have Phil Wildman. He is coming out, out of from London. And so he is the director of GNM, which is a general and medical insurance services out of London. He is now the founder of G&G Insurance Services, which he will kind of explain that breakdown in just a couple of seconds. So Phil and I actually got connected through a cold email. Um, I was just networking, reaching around, and Phil was one of the people that actually got back to me. And so we have talked probably one to two times over the last each month over the last you know two to three months. So uh, let's just go ahead and do some Phil. Thank you so much for for coming on and joining me. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Um, thanks for the intro. Yeah, no problem. And Phil, thank you too for for coming on. I know it's late for you over in London, so um, appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, and, hey, it's it's no problem. Yeah, it's uh, twenty past ten p.m. here, um, but I'm pretty often working late anyway. So this was just a good excuse for me to stay late and get on with some stuff. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah. So I will before we get into um, your background story and, and your growing up and all that. If you want to give the listeners just a quick breakdown of GNM, which and then you finding GG. If you just want to give us that breakdown, so that our our listeners have a bit of context. Yeah, sure. So um, I manage a company here in London called GNM International. We're uh, um, 
we're an insurance broker. We're also an insurance company, um, and we work with international clients, whether they're you know big multinational corporates down to you know SME business. We do a range of solutions for them, whether it's um, you know financial lines, uh, oil and gas business, um, property, uh, whatever. So we, we do the whole suite of stuff. Um, but you know, my background is is I'm, I've always been a very passionate gamer, um, and I noticed that the games industry was going reasonably unserved um, and unserviced. So the more that I looked into it, the the more interested I got in. Well, hey, maybe I could have some fun with this uh, and combine my you know passion for gaming with my knowledge of insurance and uh, having the f- the freedom of running a company over here. Uh, I get to you know I get to experiment with ideas like this, and you know thankfully this is this is something that's that's paid off for us and and. Yeah, and our clients as well. Uh, we've got some very happy clients, um, and our goal here really is to sort of walk them through uh, their insurance requirements. And I appreciate insurance is not a sexy topic, and people don't like to <laughs> stop and talk about it. And when you're trying to grab someone in a conference when they're there to, you know, talk about their next biggest game, and you say, "Hey, you know, let's talk about insurance." It's, you know, it's always a tough sell, but um, it, it is important and it's important that you get it right. And if you're going to spend the money, uh, you want to get something that works. And it's not for us. It's not just about selling insurance. It's about collaborating with our clients, whether they're developers, publishers, esports teams, uh, whatever, really talking them through their risks and getting them to ask the difficult questions of themselves is well what if this happened how would that affect my business uh and if the answer is something bad then we hope to be there to say well look you know that's what the insurance is there to do and this is what potentially we can arrange for you you know it's not a magic bullet it's not there to fix all your problems but it's all about you know what is your sort of risk appetite and how much do you want to expose your business? What can we do to protect it? So yeah, this is in a nutshell, that's, that's what we do. Um, and we're just having a ton of fun doing it. It's great to, to get to travel. And I still get so excited when I'm going to visit a, a client whose games I'm a huge fan of. It's, it's great. So yeah, really enjoying it. No, that's awesome. And I, and I know from, like I said, we've been talking for a couple of months, so I know you have a good time attending all those events and getting to be in the gaming space and, and then now in esports. So I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this. Um, so, Phil, what we do typically at the beginning is just start with your background story, you know, where you grew up, uh, where'd you go to high school, college, what were you involved in at a young age? So if you just want to share with us uh, your personal story, we, we'd love to hear it. Uh yeah, sure. So, yeah, I grew up here in the UK. Um, went to school out in out in the countryside. Um, and yeah, as I as I grew up, uh, I was always around computers. Uh, my father's business uh, had lots of computers around. So in the evenings, once everybody had gone home, I would always look forward to you know getting on there and playing some games. And um, that just you know became my hobby as I as I grew up, and it never stopped. 
Um, you know, when I went to university, uh, it's probably a miracle that I managed to pass it based on how much time <laughs> I spent gaming. And uh, that was right at the time that World of Warcraft was really, um, like, really at its peak. So I, I ran a guild uh, for a while <laughs> on WoW. And, uh, yeah, we, we got halfway through uh, uh, ZG, if that means anything to anyone which is not that impressive, but the amount of work that went into that was insane. Uh, and that was work that wasn't going into my studies. And I, at the same time, I was also running a corporation on Eve, um, which, I, I mean, it's, it was so much fun, but it, it's true what they say. It is like a job that you pay to do. Um, uh, yeah, so, but that really sort of, it's funny though the the the, uh, the Eve thing really sort of got my appetite for business going um, more than my business degree did, and I felt that I was learning more from playing Eve and running that corp uh, than I was from my actual business degree. It was teaching me how to do spreadsheets, um, all about uh, you know supply and demand and all that kind of stuff. It was yeah fascinating, um, and that sort of planted the seed in me for wanting to run a business uh, later in life. So yeah, I, I kind of scraped through my, my degree um, at university. I, I did okay in the end. Uh, and where did you bad. go to school? Uh, I went to school uh, in, in the countryside in a little town called Oundle, uh, which was, yeah, it was a nice, you know, a nice countryside town. And then I went to this nice university called Durham and, yeah, then I got a job in London and I got a job in insurance. Originally, I wanted to go into event management and I thought that would just be tons of fun. Um, but I, yeah, I just kind of fell into insurance. There was a job that was going and I thought, well, hey, it's, you know, um, it'll get me out of the house for a bit and I'll just do this for a little bit and then save up some money and go traveling or whatever. And I just never stopped. It turned out that actually I really liked insurance as boring as it sounds to a lot of people, um, it's a really sort of face-to-face -face business still. There's so much networking that goes on, especially here in London. You get to meet a lot of people. You get to sit with the insurance companies and negotiate, um, you know, whatever whatever you're presenting to them. Uh, there's lots of socializing, drinks in the evenings, uh, lunches. So as like... 20 something uh, first job in London you're doing all this stuff it was you know I really enjoyed it to be honest it was so much fun um and yeah I guess I you know I, I never did you know take the time off or, or go back and do something different I've just stuck with the insurance um you know throughout my career and I've, I've moved from job to job as, as you know everyone does um and worked my way up I worked overseas for a bit. I was in Dubai briefly and um, I moved more from doing this sort of the day-to-day -day insurance stuff to more operations. And then I thought, well, hey, uh, you know, I, I really want to give it a go and set up my own insurance company. Um, so I, I started doing this and then decided to team up with my father who also uh was in insurance and then we had uh gnm international was born um which i now run out of london and then through that 
as I said earlier, we, we came up with the idea of uh, moving into the gaming space. So I've kind of gone full circle there. And yeah, as I said, I'm having a ton of fun doing it. It's, it's great. And uh, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's my sort of story to, to today. No, that's awesome. And it's funny because you talk about in insurance, how you have the networking events, the late night drinks, that whole sort of thing. And you yeah. know, most people, when they think insurance, they probably don't think that. And in accounting, you know, when I was going through school, all of our socials, you know, we would have networking events with people trying to recruit accounting students. So it's mm. funny because when people think accounting and insurance, I think they think very dry, but there's actually like very personable and like people, people in there, you know? Mm. So it's interesting to hear your experience uh, when you first moved into the space. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, even though the subject matter might be uh, dry, it's still it's still done with people, and you get interesting people in any field, whether it's insurance or accounting or events or esports or gaming. Um, it's just people at the end of the day, and people like to um, they like to get together. And if you work with good people, it doesn't really matter what the job is. Right. No, absolutely. Mm. And so that's awesome. And so you just kind of stumbled into your insurance career. You haven't looked back. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and and then that's cool that you got to tie it into a passion you had for gaming and that now you get to kind of run that side. And yeah. Yeah. So it's a cool story to hear. Um, so before we hop into G and GG, which we're about to do, I think it'd also be relevant to mention. So you are out of the London office and but you your company also has a location in the US. Yes, yeah, we do. So uh, we got a few locations. We've got um, we've got our office here in London, which um, I effectively run. We have another office in the UK in Peterborough, um, and we have an insurance company which is based in Guernsey, which provides a lot of the UK business uh, insurance that we do. Um, and yes, we have an office in Houston, Texas which we opened up about a year ago. And yeah, we're starting to branch out into the US and doing quite a bit of business out there. Uh, the original idea is uh, to, to do general business, to do the oil and gas stuff, uh, your financial lines. Um, but you know, the, the gaming stuff is really sort of taking up a lot of my attention and I find it a bit more interesting than the other stuff. So. <laughs> Uh, I can I can really see that being helpful to us, and uh, I'd love to start speaking more with the clients out there, uh, traveling out to more of the events. Uh, GDC is coming up um, next year. I'd love to get out for that. Uh, there's a few esports events coming up as well that I'd like to check out, uh, and having the office there as well from an insurance perspective, um, it's helpful to have the licenses so that we can do more for our clients. Right. No. And so I I mentioned that in case we have any listeners that you know. Here you're international, but I think it's important to also note that you guys do have a, a U.S. presence. Yeah. So before we get into Gigi, one more question too. So I kind of just would like to hear and, and for the listeners to hear too, how did you first get introduced into competitive esports? So I know you grew up kind of gaming. When did you first hear about the esports matter though? Well, I think esports has been around um, for a long, long time. Uh, you know, it goes it goes way back to the old LAN parties that um, we used to have. And it, it, back when I was at university, uh, we were all playing Counter Strike together. And I think, yeah, 
I've always been interested in esports. Um, I've enjoyed competitive gaming. I've never been that good at it, but I've always really enjoyed it myself. And I found it really interesting to kind of watch it mature and develop into what it's into what it's become today. Um, it's been a really interesting journey to watch, and uh, it's still got a long way to go, I think. But it's it's just fascinating seeing it all come together. Because again, it's I think it's really important to uh, make the distinction that that esports is not just one thing. Um, right. It's like traditional sports, is, and I hate that term, but um, it's that's not just one thing. You've got football and rugby, cricket, hockey, esports. You have League of Legends is totally different to Counter Strike, to Street Fighter. You know, there's so many different games, and they're all different. They're all distinct. Uh, there's there's so many of them, and they all have different audiences um different play styles different teams um so it's yeah it's a whole fascinating world no it's it's funny because you could know a lot about one game and the style and the rules and then you could go attend another game and you know absolutely nothing about it <laughs> so well, yeah so, yeah totally T- totally agree with that yeah um you can be super passionate about hearthstone um and someone says oh you're really into esports do you want to come and watch counter-strike uh csgo tournament with me and you're like oh you know i wouldn't know what i was watching it's the same thing with uh you know if you're watching soccer that doesn't mean you're automatically gonna enjoy a baseball match right right no that's a great distinction and a great illustration for maybe even some people that are still trying to figure out what esports means or what's the distinction so um so i want to talk a bit about to to now start diving into gg i want to talk a bit about how did it first initially become established did you did you have the passion for it that you wanted to start it and you created a team and you guys assembled it or or what did the beginning look like for you uh it's it started off really small it was um it was an idea that i had and it was it actually started off with esports it was um uh, i was looking at the events that esports were putting on in these big tournaments and i thought oh i wonder um who's ensuring the events themselves um, I thought, well, these, these must be quite technical events. They're very reliant on the technology. Maybe we can build an insurance package specifically for the events. And the more that I looked into it, the more I uncovered that the esports industry as a whole was uh, not really served uh, by insurance at all. And the more that I went into that, the more I realized well, actually the games industry as a whole was not really being served by an insurance um, consultancy at all. Uh, many of them were using, you know, traditional brokers that understood insurance, but didn't really understand how a games company fits together. Um, and they were trying to put square pegs in round holes and saying, well, it's, it's kind of like a media company. So let's, let's use a media insurance program. Oh, it's kind of like a technology company. So let's use a software insurance program. And, um, or esports is, or it's like a sports team. So let's give them sports team insurance. And it's, it's none of those things. It's, it's its own thing. Uh, and it needs its own solution. And so that's, that's kind of how the idea came about. And it took over a year to get it to the point where we could start having our first, our first clients on board. And most of that time was on on research and consulting with uh, as as best as we could with with the teams that we could get access to and the 
developers and publishers uh, that would talk to us um, and to really sort of understand how they work, uh, what their risks are and what they fear as a business, what, what, you know, what kind of things keep them awake at night. Um, and then it's to take all of that information. And, um, so just to clarify, we're, we're, uh, we're effectively a, a broker. We're a, a consultant and our job is to arrange the insurances for our clients with insurance companies. Um, so we're not the insurance company that ultimately covers it, although we kind of are in, in one, in one degree, but not to overcomplicate, um, <laughs> our, our job was to take all of this information and take all of these risks and problems and questions uh, and take them to an insurance company and say, hey, this is what we want to do. These are the kind of clients that we want to work with. Um, this is how they work. And these are their concerns. Uh, this is our uh, opinion as, as well as insurance experts. Um, what do you think you can do for us? Uh, what can you offer? And that process took a long time. We had to really um, tear apart all their traditional insurance wordings. Um, and it's, you know, even basic things like uh, an insurance uh, wording that we used for products liability referred to all the products as tangible physical products. And, you know, a basic thing like that, you know, little things like that need to get changed. Uh, where it makes it clear, well, we're talking about digital assets here. And there's a, a lot of, and this is where insurance does get boring, is a lot of boring <laughs> stuff where you have to read through 100-page long wordings to make sure that they're applicable to that kind of business. Um, because you can always guarantee that if, uh, you know, if you're a games company and you had an insurance product that in the in you know page 56 and paragraph b it says you know we cover tangible products only and you try and put in a claim some claims lawyer at the insurance company is going to try and pick you out on that and say oh we're not going to pay your claim that's why it's super important that you have the right insurance that's right for your business and you're not trying to fit a square peg in a round hole um you know with it and that's what took a long time um, so yeah, we've, we've built all these products. It's, it's an ongoing process though. It's not, it's not finished. Um, but it's, it's got to the point where, you know, we've got a great product for the clients, but as we learn and as things change, the market changes, new risks come out. Um, it, you know, we are constantly tweaking it, constantly improving it. Um, and we, you know, we take a lot of feedback from our clients as well. Um, and they're, always teaching us new things um and yeah so that's uh, that took a long time to get ready uh but yeah we're, we're really proud of what we've built and uh, you know our, our clients uh so far are really happy with what we've got uh, we've we've tested it a few times we've had a few claims come in and they've gone through really smoothly and everyone was happy and there were no nasty surprises so so far it's yeah it's working right no, and you in a way answered my next question because one of my next questions was going to be, you know, what what is that struggle to continue to do the research and find the solutions for new issues that come up and new problems that arise and, and addressing those. But it sounds as if as if you guys are kind of on top of that and, and tackling that that issue. 
Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we're, I'm constantly monitoring the the, the news feeds, and I, I read it anyway because I'm really interested in it. Right. Um, so to me, I don't see it as as work. I I, I enjoy it. Um, but you know, there's, there's always new stuff in the news. Like that there's this recent, uh, very recent thing with Blitzchung, um, at the Hearthstone contest. Uh, he was, uh, I think he won, uh, or he was podium at it and he was due to get a payout from Blizzard. But during the stream, he was, uh, protesting, uh, the, the government and, um, in China and he was, uh, supporting, um, the protests in Hong Kong. So Blizzard took the decision. Well, um, you know, he's making political statements. We don't like that, and um, uh, so we're going to pull his his sponsorship money. Um, so, you know, that gets me thinking. Well, well, how do you how do you protect against stuff like that? Well, we well, can't protect against it. Uh, stuff like that can just happen. But if there was an insurance thing in place how would that work how would that be built how you know who who would we try and protect there um in his case uh i believe he's he's just an individual he's not representing a team but if he had been uh representing a team and off the back of something like this uh you know a sponsor pulled out or, or something like that uh you you can get insurance for that and it's that's actually one of our products um uh, to protect the brand against, um, you know, against, uh, yeah, sponsors pulling out for any reason. So, right. uh, you know, that, that example is, it's a, it's a complicated issue. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's very difficult, but, um, there, there have been other cases where, uh, there was, I don't remember who it was, but the guy was, uh, he was streaming, and uh, his wife, his wife brought him dinner or something, and he and he forgot to turn his camera off, and he was mid-game or something, and he he turns around and smacks his wife. Um, and of course, this is in full view of all the streamers, awful thing to do. And you know, quite rightly, the sponsors said, "Look, we don't want to have anything to do with this individual, and uh, thanks very much, but we're we're cancelling our contract." Uh, so there yeah there there would have been you know repercussions for the team uh how would they you know, how how would they uh look i i don't know the situations of what happened with the sponsor in this case but hypothetically uh yeah just a little disclaimer there i i don't know you know what the sponsors did or whatever but right if the sponsors had pulled out um and it put the team in a difficult financial position uh then if there had been insurance in place that could have paid their bills for a few months while they found a new sponsor and, and, and they maybe removed this individual and got, got back on their feet. Whereas without that, they, you know, they could suddenly find themselves unable to pay their bills, unable to make their financial commitments and they'd have to liquidate the business. Right. So it's, it's stuff like this. It's all these kind of things that happen in the news. We're, we're constantly monitoring it to try and preempt what potentially could happen, what, what stuff, might face an esports team or a brand and then relay that to our insurers and say, well, look, this, this could happen. Is it something you'd be willing to insure? And if so, how would you price it? What kind of questions would you need to ask? And, uh, what kind of risk management advice could we give to a, to a team to try and 
protect against this in, in the first instance. Right. And I think we had spoke briefly, this was probably about a month ago, but I think a really good example along with that one that you gave me was if uh, a team has a player who is signed to the team and he's streaming and he lets a racial slur or something like that goes on and the sponsor were to pull out, essentially, if they had the insurance in place, they could Mm -hmm. be covered for that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of our specific covers that we've we've built into our esports offering and uh, we, we call it disgrace insurance and that that is uh, it, it kind of does what it says on the, the tin a little bit um, if one of the players comes on and says something uh, stupid whether it's he says something um, you know racist or whatever and uh, a sponsor says right we want to distance ourselves from this brand uh, this this team, sorry, uh, we therefore are cancelling our contract. Um, then, it, you know, it puts the it puts the rest of the team in a difficult financial position. Uh, they've suddenly lost their sponsors, as I've just said. So the insurance can be there to to cover that specific risk, and the risk there is uh, the risk of one of the individuals doing something stupid, which you know the brand can't really control. Right. No, I think that's a that's the most important point, I think, is the fact that, of course, you as an insurance agency aren't, you know, validating that in any way. But like you're saying, a team has no control over what a player may or may not do. So having mm-hmm. that insurance in place would make sense um, since, mm-hmm. you know, they can't be there to hold their hand through every situation. Um, mm-hmm. No, that's th- those are really interesting illustrations. Um Let's let's dive a bit into the esports insurance specifically. So, if you could get say, for example, you're at an event and you, and you're giving um, a potential client a quick overview or rundown of why the esports team is in, insurance is important. Kind of typically, can you explain on us the importance? Yeah, you want that? you want the elevator pitch, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of like the elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Um, well, look. Uh, it, I think the, the key thing to understand about insurance is, um, and that there's a lot of misunderstanding here, is, is insurance is not just insurance. It's not all the same thing. Um, and uh, the most common response we get from people is when we want to try and stop them um, and say, look, you know, can we talk about insurance, is we've already got it. And that's great, but they're probably not talking about the kind of insurance we're talking about. Um, you can have your business insurance, you can have your, you know, public liability insurance is, is one thing, but what we're really talking about is the, the risks, uh, to the specific esports risks to your business. And there's quite a few different ones that, um, that you could face. So we can cover things like accidental death and disability to your team members, um, which would be if you know if one of them broke their wrist and they can't play, um, they can get a payout as an individual. You get key man insurance, which pays the the brand instead of the individual. Disgrace I've touched upon already, which is if somebody comes on and says something stupid uh, and a sponsor pulls. You can have broadcasters and media liability. And that's that's a really important one um, because. Esports teams and individuals spend a lot of time uh, streaming and engaging with their crowd. Um, 
and they could say all sorts of stuff um, and they could bring about lawsuits, whether there's an intellectual property dispute, uh, claims for libel, breach of privacy, breach of copyright, um, breach of contract. Uh, there's loads of stuff that you expose yourself to when you start broadcasting. Uh, and it's important that you've got a, a decent, you know, a decent cover in place there. Uh, to protect right. against lawsuits. Uh, there's also employment practices, um, insurance, which again, you're, if, if you're in charge of a team, um, you need to make sure that you're properly looking after them and employment practices insurance, uh, it covers the employers against the employees claiming for, um, you know, wage disputes, contract disputes, discrimination, harassment, negligent esports team is really important <laughs> yeah yeah so it you know unfortunately it does happen and uh you you do have um you know you, you do get these uh, lawsuits that come about where um one of the team members may sue the team and say well look you you know you've uh, you've not looked after me properly um and i want to sue you for some you know crazy amount um, you know, that, that sometimes happens when you get an individual team member that becomes bigger than the team. He becomes so famous that, um, you know, even though he's bound by the contracts that he's in, a way to get out of that would be to sue the team for something. Uh, and, uh, the insurance is in place to try and enable the team to, to fight back or to protect themselves against this kind of stuff. Um, and not to interrupt, so a good example of that is kind of the Tifu situation with FaZe, where you know mm-hmm. he was arguing his contract with him, and of course, you know many of us know that that's a long legal battle. But that that yeah. would be an example, correct? Right, where he yeah. outgrew his contract and he wanted more, and you know they went back and forth. Yeah, that was kind of what I was referencing without, yeah, specifically mentioning it. But yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly the kind of thing. So employment practices insurance that you know that really covers the the brand itself. Um, uh, from its own staff. Um, then you get, then you get into stuff like directors and officers, which, um, covers the owners of a business. So whether it's esports or any business, directors and officers insurance protects the owners being sued in a personal capacity. So, um, you know, sure you, you may set up a company and think, well, you know, whatever that company does, someone would sue that, but that doesn't stop them suing you as an individual. And with a lot of, a lot of esports um, teams, the owners are quite public facing. They're quite well known. And uh, there's nothing to stop somebody going after the owner directly. And they have to answer a lawsuit in a personal capacity. That's what the D uh, the directors and officers is there to do. That's to protect the owners themselves. Uh, and then, you know, you get into stuff like intellectual property uh, insurance, which uh, insures against lawsuits, you know, revolving around that. Um, there's cyber insurance, there's equipment. Uh, and then there's all the sort of business package, which is, you know, your standard stuff like your professional indemnity, workman's compensation, public liability. So there's 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 a whole bunch of stuff out there uh, that can be covered. So insurance is not just one thing. And what we do is we'll we'll talk a company, whether it's an esports company or a developer or a publisher, through all the different options and try and get an understanding 
of their business. And rather than try and overwhelm them with choice, we'd give them recommendations and say, well, look, based on what you've told me about your business and what I understand about what you do, you should really be thinking about this or you should be really thinking about you know, your media liability or your professional indemnity is something you need to focus on. Um, so we, we really are there to sort of handhold um, these companies as much as possible. Right. Yeah, and so there's two things I really want to kind of circle back to because I think they were really important. Uh-huh. The first one is let's chat a little bit more about the permanent disability insurance because I sure. think that – you know, I think maybe teams and obviously those that are, are well educated in esports may be familiar with that and understand what it means. But for any potential players or content creators that, you know, maybe hear this episode, why, you know, say you, for example, you gave the example of breaking a wrist, right? You break mm-hmm. a wrist, that means you can't stream, that means you're not creating content, that means no mm-hmm. money's being made. So why is it so important? to have something like that in place in the case that, you know, say you even just get in a car accident, right. And and you break Mm -hmm. an arm, um, Mm -hmm. you know, chat a little bit about why that's so important to have. Um, well, it's, it's really simple. Um, if you, um, how to explain this in the best way, uh, well, I don't know it, if I kind of explained it, what I was saying, but I yeah, guess yeah, I yeah, just... Yeah. No, 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 it makes sense. I'm just trying to explain it in, in, the, in the simplest term without going too deep into insurance jargon. But um, yeah, in, in really simple terms, um, you, can, you can buy a policy um, which just gives you a payout based on something going wrong that means you can't do your job anymore. Um, it's effectively, it's pretty simple cover. You could buy it for, for any job. If you're a, if you're a surgeon... You can buy insurance against you breaking your wrist because you can no longer uh, perform surgeries. If you're, um, yeah, d- doing any any sort of job that requires you to be physically capable, and esports is no different. Um, you know, you you need to be able to perform your job uh, so that you know so that you can get paid at the end of the day. And let's say you, you know, let's say you, you did something really simple. You, you tripped over, and you, you broke your wrists. Uh, that means that you can no longer stream. You can no longer play. And if it's permanent, if you're, if you're permanently unable to do that anymore, that could have knocked out your esports career. The insurance is in place to give you a payout in the event that that happens. Uh, you can set the payout or it might be set by your, your sort of salary, depending on how it's priced. Um, but let's say you wanted a payout of 5 million if you could no longer stream. Uh, we would work out a price for that. We say, well, if that's the payout that you want, then you'll pay, you know, 50 bucks a year or whatever it is uh, for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good breakdown. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll note that when when Phil and I first got connected, it was actually around this subject because, and you know, a disclaimer, I haven't looked this up in the last two months, so I'm not sure if insurance agencies here in the U.S. now do cover it. But one of the reasons Phil and I connected is because they offered, you know, permanent disability insurance. And through the through the research I did, and you know, my, I may have just missed it, but I only found, I believe, one other insurance agency in the U.S. that was offering this. And so I think it's extremely cool that you guys are aware of it and that you guys are working with clients and have it as an offering because 
I think it's so vital, especially if you're a professional player or a high-profile Twitch or Mixer streamer. I mean, this is something that very real could happen, and I think the fact that you guys are already covering it and, and are educated in it is super important. So the other question I have for you to, to wrap back around is – you, you talked a lot about, you know, working with these clients and, you know, you had the list of, you know, so many things that they could cover. I'm interested to know when you, with your clients you have now, when, when you've sat down with them and you've had these conversations, have they kind of been astonished by the amount of risk points they could have as, you know, a publisher and esports company or, or kind of how did those conversations go? Um, yeah, it's, it's been a total mix. So some of the clients, um, it was kind of an eye-opening moment to them uh, when you – a lot of them have been very successful in a very short time, and they don't like to hear us say, well, look, this could all come crumbling down. What if somebody sues you for you know, 10 million bucks or something because of something that you've done, um, or you lose a major sponsor? Um, how would that affect your business? And – uh, they they would say oh well you know we we've got we've got lawyers or you know we've got insurance but i mean sure sure you might have the world's best lawyers but if you really have you know made a mistake or something's happened right. um, <laughs> you know you, you would still be liable even with the best lawyers and um you know ultimately the, the insurance is there to, to try and give you peace of mind and let them sleep at night and the, you know the reactions we get some of them, it's eye-opening. Some of them are reluctant to talk. Um, some of them, you know, say, oh, you know, we, we, we just don't need it. We don't need the insurance. And you know, that's fine if they really, really don't want it. Um, you know, we're never going to ram it down their throats. Uh, and, right. you know, some of the, you know, some of the biggest, uh, the biggest teams out there, uh, so, some of them do, do have so much money that uh, maybe – you know, maybe they, they don't, uh, you know, they, they don't need it as much, but then the, the bigger you are, the more exposed you are, the more likely you're going to, you know, attract, um, you're going to attract lawsuits and, um, the bigger sponsorship deals you have, the bigger risk that you have. Um, again, you know, everyone is different. Everyone's different. Right. Right. No, mm-hmm. that, that, that makes sense, you know, and especially in an emerging market like mm-hmm. this where you've got, mm-hmm. you know, people that have been here for years and others that are new to the space. So mm-hmm. no, that's that's interesting to hear. Um, OK, so to, to shift the conversation a little bit, I want to now move to the developers and publisher side of the insurance. And so I know as a firm, this is kind of your guys bread and butter right now that you really get. And so I'm really just going to kind of let you take this wherever you think is best and we can talk through it, but kind of, again, just talk through what it is um, mm-hmm. and some points that you think are important to mention. Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, we've, we've seen a lot of success on the developer and publisher side of the business as well. Um, it's again, it's, it's in the same space in that it's also gaming, but the risk profile is totally different. So as I mentioned, with an esports team, you're looking at permanent disability, uh, media liability, um, safeguarding, employment practices. Um, But when you look at a developer or a publisher, you're more interested in the products and your professional liability, your contractual obligations to other other companies, your uh, intellectual property, cyber risks. 
Um, so it's a, it's a totally different risk profile, and um, it's 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 a it's a different type of industry as well. It's again, it's it's still gaming, but um, the developers, for example, they've you know typically been around much longer, um, and their you know their, their business makeup is is so different. Uh, they get their revenue from like Steam and Origin and Epic Game Store, and right. uh, so their revenue streams are totally different. Uh, how they interact with other companies as well is totally different. Uh, so whether you're a, a publisher or a developer, you'll have contractual relationships between each other and um, third parties as well. So if you're outsourcing your artwork or your coding. Um, that in itself, you need to make sure that you've got protection for that contract. Um, so the, the main thing that we look at on the developers and publishers is uh, what we call professional indemnity insurance, which is also known as errors and emissions. Um, and that is in place to, it's the most basic way of explaining it is when you have a contractual dispute. So let's say you, uh, you're working with a publisher and uh, you are contracted in to make a game within a specific time frame, and you fail to deliver on that, and then the publisher says, well, I'm going to sue you for the value of the contract, which could be $5 million. Um, what would you do about that? And sometimes the answer is, well, we I don't know what we do. We, we just have to close the company down. Well, that's, that's what the insurance is there to do. It's, it's there to protect you against those kind of, you know, Armageddon scenarios, but that, there's also insurance there to, to cover against all the smaller things like your, your, you know, your contents insurance, your equipment. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the errors and emissions is, is really the, the biggest one because it covers the, 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 the risk between companies. Okay. I have a quick yeah. question and sorry yeah. to interrupt you just, and this might be really dumbing it down, but I'd be interested mm-hmm. to know. So, um, Fortnite at one point, you know, I think they've had throughout the course of, the, of their career of, of the game, they've had, you know, the dances in game and there's been claims before where, you know, Oh, Fortnite stole this dance idea from someone like, for example, I know there was one that was similar to Carlton off Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So let's just, yeah. <laughs> let's just say for example's sake that, that Carlton would have, and he, you know, whatever his actual real name is, but let's just say Carlton yeah. would have actually then sued Fortnite for stealing that dance from him, and yeah. he wins that legal battle. Is is that then a place where the insurance would come in, or or how would it work out in that scenario? Is this not even related? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So in that specific scenario, the guy's name is Alfonso Ramirez, I think, and that's really he, impressive. <laughs> yes, and he. So he does not actually own that dance, even though it's accredited to him. He admitted in an interview that he stole it from, uh, I think it was a Saturday Night Live sketch uh, between um, two people dancing badly, like doing a bad. (laughs) Yeah. And so he admitted that that's where he got it from. So he's basically, you know, waived ownership of it. So he couldn't sue for that. Um, but there were other dancers in it that, um, yeah, they, they were 
pretty pretty obviously ripped off from other stuff and right. uh i think Fortnite was sailing pretty close to the wind on that and uh there it, it would be a it would be a, a a difficult one um for us to ensure because we're aware that that's a risky thing that they're doing so we'd be kind of reluctant to 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 kind of work with them um as much as they're as they're a big client uh, potentially a big client Right. Um, we, you know, we do try and protect our, um, you know, the, our, our existing clients, um, by not taking on ones that are in our opinion, acting too rashly, uh, right. because if we do take on clients that we feel are acting too rashly or, um, you know, not protecting them themselves against their risk, if they start bringing in lots of big claims to our insurance companies, that just puts up the premiums for all of the other clients that we work with. Um, so we always, we always do our due diligence on any company that we work with. And in the first instance, we, you know, we try and give them as much risk advice as we can, um, and try and help them risk manage, uh, to make sure that they, uh, uh, you you know, that they would be a good, a good fit for the, uh, for the insurance companies that we work with. Um, so it's, you know, it's not a, it's not available to everybody. I'd, I'd say, um, you know, we wouldn't want to take on a client that is blatantly ripping off, um, other businesses. And, you know, there's, uh, there are businesses out there that, that do that. There's a lot of sort of clone games that get thrown up on the app store and there's a lot of asset flippers as well. And, um, there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, trash games that go out, uh, those aren't the kind of clients that we'd want to bring in. And Fortnite is a, is a bit of a, a weird one there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in, in that case, let's say, let's say they were a client and let's say, right. uh, they did get sued, which is, is kind of really what your question was. Right. Um, and I think you're asking is, would they have been covered? Uh, the answer is it depends what type of insurance they bought. And like I gotcha. said, there's different types, there's different things they can buy. Um, for intellectual property insurance, um, you can buy inwards and outwards insurance. So inwards insurance is basically you're defending against people accusing you of, uh, breaching intellectual property, which in this case it would have been. Um, but you can also buy outwards, um, intellectual property, which is, it covers the cost of you pursuing um, intellectual property claims against others. So let's say you, um, you, you invented a game or a character and you saw that someone else was using it. Um, you could buy insurance and this is quite an expensive thing to get, but you could buy insurance to cover the legal costs of chasing after somebody and suing somebody else, uh, for breaching, uh, breaching your IP. Interesting. No, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and that seems pretty consistent with, you know, I, as you mentioned, this conversation where it really just depends on the client and you're, like you're saying, what kind of insurance they might have or yeah. the area. So, no, it's just, yeah. and, and um, thank you for elaborating. I just think it's interesting yeah. to kind of break down because yeah. insurance isn't my cup of tea. So I just had a little mm-hmm. bit of interest there. Yeah. I mean, um, I think this, this is one of the frustrations that a lot of people have with insurance is um, I'm, you know, I'm trying my best to answer as directly as possible, but usually the answer is, well, it depends. And that's why we're here is to try and, you know, talk, talk the clients through the scenarios and make sure that they're making the most informed decision when they, when they choose what option to buy. 
Um, and yeah, so right. it depends. Which, which is the honest answer. And, you know, you never mm-hmm. want to stray someone in the wrong direction. Um, yeah. Is there anything else on the developer and publisher side we didn't touch on that you wanted to mention or? Um, no, not really. Um, okay. I think, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting sector. It, it is our bread and butter at the moment. Um, we'd love to do more in the US. Uh, we do a lot in the UK already because that's where we are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting section. Personally, I, you know, I really enjoy it because uh, I get to work with quite a few companies whose games I've played and it's, and I get to learn about a lot of new ones too that I've never heard of. No, that's, yeah. So you, you mm-hmm. kind of get to work with people who you played their games growing up. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. It's great. Um, Okay. And then, so I kind of want to shift to the, and we'll just touch on this one briefly, but we thought it'd be worth um, bringing up. Really, I just think because there's so many tournaments going on, there's so many gaming events going on, um, you know, that's really just happening a lot right now. So I thought it'd be worth touching a little bit on, you know, what does event liability insurance mean? Um, some examples that, that you might think of quickly off the top of your head. Um, but yeah, I mean, wh- and again, all insurance, you know, I think is important and all that. And I've kind of asked that question a lot. But again, if you just want to touch a little bit on event liability insurance and some examples you might have. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. So, um, yeah, aside from the esports um, stuff and the developers and publishers, uh, we've also got a package uh, for events and We've again, we've tried to tailor this uh, as as best as possible for, uh, for for the games industry. But there's there's different risks with putting on an event, whether you're um, organising event or exhibiting. You've, you'll have different risks. Um, you, the the three sort of main things that you're going to be concerned about is your property, which is your physical stuff, which is there. Uh, if you're exhibiting, that's the stuff that you take with you, um, your demo uh, stuff. Um, if you're organizing the event, it's all the infrastructure or the lighting um, screens or all of the stuff that you put up. Um, so that's the property side. Then you've got the liability uh, risk, which is if somebody, um, the simplest way to explain it is if somebody comes to your event and they, they trip over a wire uh, and break their neck. That's, that's what the liability is there for. That's an oversimplification, but that's, that's basically what liability does. Um, but then the most interesting part is, is the, uh, the contingency side, uh, which is all of the stuff that could go wrong. Uh, so things like cancelling, uh, no-shows if you've got celebrities coming, uh, if you have to relocate the venue, um, not that you would have a gaming event outdoors, but uh, uh, you could you know, buy stuff for like weather contingency. Um, and, uh, and then we do add on a few other things, which it's, it's sad that this insurance has to exist, but you can buy insurance for things like active shooter. Uh, there was that issue in Florida, I think about a year ago where the guy, um, was playing, I think FIFA and, uh, shot a load of people, which was awful. And the insurance in that case uh, goes to the organizers to sort of uh, cover them from for their liabilities to their uh, to the participants, because that's something that's not normally covered under your liability insurance is you getting shot by somebody, you know, tripping right. over a cable would be covered, 
but that's normally not included in the insurance. So we uh, we can add this in as a specific coverage, and then yeah, the, the payout would go to the participants uh, saying, well, look, we were under your uh, care at your event, and we've been shot, um, right. or the family will claim against death. And it you know it's a horrible thing that that needs to exist, but again, there is insurance there to to protect. Uh, to protect the families uh, and make sure that uh, the um, the event organisers are stepping up and making sure that they're buying the the, the right insurance. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, bit of a depressing one, but <laughs> yeah, no. And yeah. again, like you're saying, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. and it's always tragic when when it, when a case mm-hmm. like that happens. You know, last year when that happened in Florida, I know that obviously hit home for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just a a part of another insurance you know, another insurance coverage you guys have that, mm. that, you know, might want to be looked at from someone putting on an event or, or anything like that. Mm. Um, okay. Well, again, I think Phil, as we kind of move away from the, the end here of our insurance conversation, if you too quickly, because, you know, when you explained this to me off the microphone, I thought this was really important to know is you guys are always trying to lower the risk for clients and, you know, you never really want a claim to come about. So I don't know if you kind of want to just close the insurance portion with elaborating on that a little bit. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. Um, a, a lot of, a lot of insurance companies, um, or brokers, uh, will, will do one of two things. If, if they're a broker, which we are, uh, they will typically try and sell the customer as much insurance as they can. And, um, they, the strap line that they have is, is when a customer asks, you know, how much insurance should I buy? Uh, the broker will always say, well, as much as you can afford. I think that is really, um, I said I wouldn't swear, but I think that's really (laughs) shitty advice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) the really, um, we, we've had quite a few customers that have come, come our way. And, uh, actually my advice has been to them, you don't need insurance right now. And as much as I'd love to have them as a client and, um, you know, we, you know, we want to get paid. We're a business. Uh, my best advice is sometimes, uh, not to buy the insurance. They don't need it right now, or, uh, they're buying too much. Um, there, we had a case where a client came to us and said, Oh, uh, we, we really want to sign with this publisher. Um, they've told us that we need to get $10 million worth of professional indemnity insurance as a condition of this contract. And I said, okay, fine. Um, you know, why are they asking for so much? That's a huge amount. You're a, you know, you're a small developer. Um, are they really going to sue you for $10 million? What are you doing for them? That's so important. And, um, you know, they went back to the publisher and the publisher said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, uh, that's just a standard contract that we give to everybody. Yeah. You, you don't need to get that in the, in this case, you know, just get whatever you think is, is necessary. So, um, and so they amended the contract and instead of 10 million, they only asked them for uh, a couple of hundred thousand, for, uh, to be insured. So instead of paying like 50 grand, they paid a couple of grand and everyone, you know, everyone wins. Right. Um, so, you know, we always look to try and make sure that they're buying the, the right amount. And, um, yeah, buying the most that you can afford is, is never good advice. Every business is always looking after their bottom line. And it's just not helpful 
to try and squeeze out as much money as you can from from these companies because you know you want you want to work with them long term and for us um, our, our reputation is everything we want the companies to be around for a long ter- time and um, and then the, the other thing is if you go to an insurance company directly if you don't work with a broker uh, like us if you th- if you got try and go to an insurance company directly um, you know you, you may get a cheap price but there's no one to fight your corner for you. So uh, you don't know if you're buying the right stuff. And if you ever try and make a claim, uh, there's no one there to, to, to try and help you with that. And they will do everything they can to try and uh, weasel out of paying it because uh, they're not in the business of giving away money. They're in the business of taking it. Um, and that's why it's, it's good to have uh, a, a broker that has some leverage over these insurance companies. So we, you know, we put a lot of business into them. And if we get a client that's, uh, you know, got got an issue with a claim or, or it's, uh, it's, it's kind of borderline whether it's covered or not, um, you know, if they are working directly with an insurer, well, they, they try and decline it. But if it's through us, we can go into them and, you know, because we know our insurers personally, um, we can go in and say, look, you know, look after these guys. They're, they're a good client of ours. Um, just pay them. And, you know, that usually works. Right. You're almost in, you almost are, you know, in between the two and, and can kind of assist and facilitate in, in that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, definitely. So th- I thought that was a great explanation. And again, I thought it was important um, for our listeners to kind of understand really what, what your goals are and, and what you want to provide for the client. Um, because mm-hmm. I know when you when you t- told that to me, I thought that was very interesting. Um, so. Mm-hmm definitely wanted to kind of close the insurance portion with that. Is there anything else? I know we're going to talk just for a few minutes about some risks and, and emerge or emerging risks, but is there anything else on the insurance side that you wanted to, to close with or? Um, I, I think my, my best advice to anybody listening is, um, yeah, if, if you don't understand what you're getting with the insurance, uh, just, just ask someone or come and talk to us. You know, I'm always happy to talk to anybody. Um, you know, I'm sure my details will be, uh, shared, you know, on, on the link or something with this. Um, pick up the phone to me whenever you want, email me any questions. I'm more than happy to talk anybody through it. Um, I've always got time. Um, you know, I love talking to people in the industry. It's an excuse, uh, for me to learn more, which I love to do. And if I can help people at the end of the day, that's great. And if you end up being a client of ours, that's fantastic. But, you know, I'm just happy to help. So any questions anybody has, just chuck me a line. Be happy to answer. Yeah, no, and I, and I always try to mm. to co-sign my guests that, that come on because obviously I wouldn't be having yeah. you on if, if I didn't believe in you as, as a person, as a <laughs> business. So definitely in this space of insurance, you know, like I said, when I did the research, there was, I believe, maybe one or two U.S. US insurance firms that were even covering any of this. I know on another podcast I've heard of one international where, where they were also doing insurance. So it's a conversation where you know, maybe it is being spoken about a lot, but I'm not really seeing a lot of coverage of it. So I definitely recommend to any listeners, if, if, if you own a business in, in gaming or in esports, or if you have a team or anything like that, I definitely recommend, um, utilizing Phil, uh, to, to see if he can answer any of your questions. Um, so 
we we'll have the lightning round here in a couple minutes, but I know we wanted to talk for a minute about some emerging risks in esports, and and you specifically had an example of this esports cycling issue that came about um, and its implications. So I'll let you I'll let you chat about that real quick. Yeah, so this is just coming something that came on my radar in the last few days, and this is just another example of something up in the news that gets me thinking about um, these new risks. And this is—I uh, don't know if it's called e-cycling or e-sport cycling or, or whatever—but um, I've seen these things in gyms where it's you know it's just an exercise bike, but they've got a screen and they gamify it, and this is developed into a whole e-sports. Uh, league there's a whole scene to it and the reason it hit the news recently is one of the guys uh, got busted um, using effectively a a trainer to um, unlock one of the best bikes in the game where you'd normally have to uh, cycle over an elevation of I think 50,000 meters which takes months and months to do Um, and he messed with the system so it could unlock this this tron bike quicker for him and if you have this bike in the competition you have an advantage over the others which i think is that seems like a really weird situation where you're having a a competitive uh esports game where some players are naturally more advantaged than others um but anyway, it, it's uh, it's like artificial doping almost. Then yeah, that's what they're saying. It's it's digital doping. Um, uh, you, you'd think they'd just give them all the same bike with the same stats if it's a <laughs> right. competition. But um, I don't know. Maybe yeah. Maybe because this is such a new, you know, new emerging scene. Uh, you know, it's going through some growing pains. But. Um, you know, it just gets me thinking about, well, you know, what insurance risks are there for that? And uh, this is where esports and real sports are starting to, to cross over. Uh, so we were talking about, you know, dis- uh, disability, permanent disability, accidental death, um, you know, the risk profile for a, um, an esports player that's playing street fighter is going to be vastly different to an e-cycling uh player uh is player the right word um i would I, yeah a, a uh, cyclist i don't know a I don't cyclist know. yeah an, e, an e-cyclist yeah the, yeah for, <laughs> so because you know they're phys- they're doing a physically uh demanding uh sport there so although the the insurance risk in terms of uh you know they could get injured their career could be uh prejudiced um that that stays the same but they could you know it's not just their their eyesight and and their wrists and dexterity uh that is important we're also looking at well their overall fitness levels uh their legs and um so there's a lot more that could go wrong with that and uh, also, you know, at the events, at the tournaments that they're hosting, um, it's a much more physical activity. So, again, the risk profile is different. Um, there's more chance of injury. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, like I said before, it's um, there's there's no sort of existing precedent for a lot of this stuff. It's, uh, it's new ground for everybody. Uh, so it's, you know, it's exciting to be part of it. 
Right. No, and I think this goes in line with um, how you mentioned earlier that, you know, as the insurance is going to continue to change, things are going to look different. And I think this is a great example of how new issues and risks, like you're saying, could come about from it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No, so it's a super interesting topic, and, and I'm glad we got to chat about it for, for a couple of minutes. Um, so, Phil, as we start to wind down, the last segment of the podcast is called The Lodges Light 7. And so these are essentially just seven questions that are for fun, um, an interactive way to end the podcast, and for our listeners to maybe even get to know you personally a little bit better. Um so we will start you out easy, as we do for all of our guests. <laughs> yeah, be gentle. It's late here. It is. I understand. Yeah. The The first question is, if you are about to take a flight, what is your favorite snack that you grab before boarding? Um, Haribo Tang Fastics is my go-to flight snack. Do you have those in the, in the U.S.? You have Haribo, I was, right? I don't. What is that? I don't know that I know. Oh, no. Really? I, think I, it's I might German. just not know. I just might. Um, you know, g- like gummy bears. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But, yeah. But sour. Yeah. I. Yeah. You're missing out, dude. Um, <laughs> if you ever come to the UK, I'm gonna give you a bag of Haribo Tang Fastics. It's it's amazing stuff. You know, I I have been over into the UK before, and I will say the candy over there is like the brands that you guys have over there is like ten times better than some of the stuff we have over <laughs> in the US. <laughs> Oh, okay. Interesting. So second question is, if you could be the host of any TV show, like a game show, what show would you pick? Oh, dude, I I don't even watch that much TV. Um, The host of any TV show. You know, Ninja Warrior is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, Okay. Yeah, I'd love to host that just to kind of, um, yeah, watch it. That's that's a great show. No, no, no. Very familiar with that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a great show. Um, okay, third question. If you could pick anyone to hang out with for one day, who would you choose? Well, other than you. Um, <laughs> geez, if I could hang out with anyone, I could be really soppy and say my wife, um, if she's listening, which she isn't. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, geez, I don't know. There's so many people that I'd like to hang out with for a day. Um, I don't know, just someone... Uh, someone from a totally different, you know, totally different uh, sort of part of the world to me uh, that yeah. I could just learn from. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting just to kind of yeah. see a different culture and all that. Yeah, yeah. like uh, Mongolian shepherd or something. Uh, if I could speak the language, right? I'd interesting. Just love yeah. to hang out with them for a day and just, you know, see what they do and talk to them and learn about their family and stuff. Just, right. you know, it'd be so different. Yeah, love to, love to do that. No, that's that's a unique answer. I like that. Um, okay, here's a sports question for you, and so I include esports on this as well. So, covering any sport, so any pro sport, who is your Mount Rushmore? So, who are your four greatest players of all time, in your opinion? Um, of what? Any sport or any sport? NFL, NBA, soccer, esports, um, whatever is your cup of tea. Oh, geez, I don't know. That's that's a. I'm not a big sportsman. I I've never really watched football much. Um, can I pass on that? I don't know. You can pass, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I know it's late for you, so I'll definitely give you a pass <laughs> on that one. Um, this one's a lot simpler. Are you a cat or dog person? Definitely a cat person. Oh, 
that's, that's cool. I have a cat. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's trained to use the toilet even. Interesting. Wait, so to use the actual toilet? He uses the actual toilet. Yeah, it took months and months to do. Um, so we got a like a litter tray that sits in the bowl, mm-hmm. and then he so he goes up and uses that, and then you cut a hole in the middle, um, and then he just gets used to it with a hole, and then you just cut the hole bigger and bigger and bigger until there's like no tray left, and then he just he's just going straight in. Wow. Wait. Okay. So I have I have a cat, and my wife has joked with me because I don't like the smell of the litter, you know because it can smell even when you clean it <laughs> yeah 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 that was the issue like i used to live in a small flat and you'd come home every day and yeah it stinks that's so f- i'm gonna have to tell her that because she's been joking with me about training our our cat to do that that's super interesting <laughs> well there's a there's a thing you should buy then i uh it's called the city kitty i think okay yeah um yeah city Ki- i think it's called city kitty and it's like a kit and you buy it and uh yeah it's great that's hilarious. I just think that's so funny. That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, this this is the last deep question. If if you could ask God one question, what would it be? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's deep. Um, it is. It's my one deep one. I have to. If I could ask God one, one question, what would it be? Uh, I get. Well, I guess the question is like, why? Why did you create all of this mess? And um, yeah, that's interesting. Why? Uh, why cancer? Why? Why kids cancer? Uh, what's What's the logic there? Um, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. It's a good mm-hmm. question. Um, and then the last one, and, and I think this is kind of a fun one to end it on, is if you could be the star of any movie. So you know, pick a character in your favorite movie. Uh, what character and what movie would it be? Um, I don't know that I'd need to think about that for a while. Um, I can tell you my favorite movie is, okay. is Blade Runner. Uh, okay. so yeah, Deckard's pretty cool in that. So him maybe, although okay. yeah, he doesn't have the, the greatest time in that. <laughs> 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 no, that, whatever is your pick. So that's but perfect. yeah, he's pretty cool in that. So yeah, him, I guess. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, Phil, thank you again <laughs> for for coming on. I know this was this was something fun for me because I know that you and I have been talking for a couple of months now. And we always check yeah. in and and you know keep up with one another. So it was it was great to have you on and to you know give you the opportunity to speak about everything that you guys are doing. Um, where can our listeners connect with you? via social media via the website what is the best way for them to do that uh yeah so um best way to get in touch with us is uh just email me directly which is phil at ggsurance.net uh you can go on our website which is ggsurance.net and it gives you a bunch of information on our products um you can phone me uh uk time whenever you want my direct number, uh, I'm sure you can link it somewhere, but it's, you know, UK 0207-977-1491. Um, we do have a Twitter, which is, um, I can't remember if it's Insurance GG or GG Insurance. Okay. I think it's, it's, I think it's Insurance, it's at Insurance GG. Okay. Uh, so you can, you can see us on Twitter. Yeah, at Insurance GG. 
Um, yeah, we, we did actually have GG insurance and, um, I got it blocked, uh, within like half an hour cause I followed like 500 companies and, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, now we're insurance GG, which is annoying, but, uh, yeah. Okay. And you're on LinkedIn as well too, personally, uh, right? Yeah, we're on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can track me down on there, message me on that. No problem. Uh, yeah, um, I have a Facebook, I have a personal Facebook, uh, but I'm barely on it. I posted something the other day and my sister calls me and she says, I think you've been hacked. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no, no, I actually did post something. So yeah. That's funny. Um, that's funny. Yeah. But yeah, LinkedIn, phone me, email me, whatever. Yeah. Cool. I'm not that hard to find. Yeah, no, definitely. So we will leave that for you guys there. If you case you want to connect with Phil and so Phil, thank you again for, for coming on. Um, to all our listeners, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I think there was a lot of insightful information that was dropped and a, and a lot to learn from here. Um, and so thank you for listening and we will catch you next time on the Lodges podcast. What's up guys. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. If you've enjoyed this, you can find us on social media at lodges underscore financial. Please go check out our social pages where you can find lots of other great content committed to gaming and esports. This is also the best place to be kept up to date with everything going on at Lodges. Thanks, and you were just listening to the Lodges podcast.